there, I'm Ruth Parker from Alexander Associates and I'm delighted to be able to bring you the next in our series of podcasts highlighting the careers of successful women in engineering with our She's an Engineer campaign. In this episode, I'll be diving into the career of Emily Owen, Associate Hydrologist with SLR Consulting. Thank you so much for coming and agreeing to do this and um, we really appreciate it. Can you tell me a little bit about what your job role is now um, and then we'll kind of talk about how you got there. Yeah, so I'm a hydrologist with an environmental consultancy. Um, my kind of bread and butter work is doing a lot of flood risk assessments and surface water drainage design and a lot of that supports planning applications. Um, but some of the work is also with retrofitting, looking at buildings for insurance um, and that kind of element. Um, and then I love picking up new things and diversifying what I do. Um, so kind of the element I'm growing at the moment, it's more on the water management side of things. Okay. So I've picked up in kind of the last 12 months doing a bit of mine water management, looking more at water resource um, modeling. So water management? Um, so literally as it kind of sounds in terms of every site water comes in and comes out yeah if you get it wrong you get flooding or you run out of water particularly at sites that have high water use um so mine sites are a classic for needing to look at it very um in depth because they are in a lot of the time in water poor regions right. but then use a huge amount of water um and it's partly their own business needs um, but it also is now feeding with the ESG journey. They are probably one of the earliest industries that had to be looking at it just from a functionality of their businesses going into the future. Um, so that kind of started for me in a very technical end of um, doing the water balance modeling right. um, and looking at how water was moving through their um, systems and processes. Um, and then is kind of I'm now moving across more now into some of the water security and looking at more sustainable water use. Right. Okay. I've worked in the water industry, that's what I recruit for for 20 years, um, and we definitely struggle attracting um, people to the water sector. I think maybe it's not seen as, I don't know, as maybe it's not seen as interesting um, as other industries. So was there a what led you to, I want to work in the water industry, I want to work on flood modelling? What? When did you start, can you remember how young you were when you started thinking about engineering? Um, I almost feel like I never made a choice. Right. Um, I, I guess going into A-levels, I still loved physical geography. Right. Um, so that kind of made the decision of science with the geography side. Um, and then I was getting very frustrated by the end of A2 of geography's a bit wishy-washy some of the time. And I was like, I want to do the science behind it. All right. of these things should be, you should be able to apply what I'm doing in the other sciences yeah. for this. So I went and did earth sciences as my undergraduate. Um, and then from there, it was the water element that really interested me. Um, so I went and did a master's after that. Um, in hydrology and water resource management um, and that's out of an engineering department um, so I did that with Imperial um, so that then kind of brought right. me back into an engineering world yeah. and that probably was the point that I realized it was engineering and that's actually where it's at. Yeah 
And when you were doing your university course, the split, male to female, where did where did you go to university? So I went to Durham for my undergraduate. Okay. Um, and that, it probably was male dominated. It obviously sat inside essentially the traditional geology. Yes. Um, I did my second year on exchange. So I then came back and got to do whatever I wanted because I wasn't on a traditional course anymore. Right. So I kind of... You definitely got changes depending on which of the modules you took and the the more environmental seems to draw in more women. Yeah. Um, and I don't know whether that's because they're newer and it's less rigid anyway. They as a subject are completely evolving so you can't really imagine what a person is that does that because there isn't a person already doing it. Yeah. But yeah, and then my master's actually probably was female dominated but it was also very multinational okay that's really good so that you had a really positive experience of having women around you when you were at university and doing the course with you yeah for sure and have you found that's continued in your work placements when your workplaces um so there's a lot of women coming in now that's great um the retention is not as good as it's shocked me right. to be sure and it's yeah. something I've obviously stayed, it's not something I'm planning to leave and I find it quite strange sometimes when women are choosing to leave the industry still. Do, they, do, do you know why? Because it's definitely something that we see is we're, we're not retaining um, women in the industry um, and it's trying to work out the reasons why. Do you, um, any I, insights? I don't, I haven't been able to put my finger on the reason why. I think it's very common when people do their exit interviews. Um, I think when, particularly when women are leaving an industry, mm. they tend to fall back on the backup safe solution, which is the family making and everything yeah, else. Yeah. And then everyone goes, oh, it's because they wanted to start a family. I'm not sure it actually is that simple a no, decision. It's an easy um, statistic to put down, isn't it, for a company sometimes? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that women have a tendency and I think this is the same when I was at school not many girls did physics and I think women have this really bad habit of going I don't want to be the only woman yeah and getting scared by that concept yeah. and it's like well if every woman says they don't want to be the woman in the room there's going to be no women in the room yeah um but if all of you decide to go do it then it's going to be a room full of women yeah absolutely um and I think that does happen I think as People are getting older and making decisions outside of the workplace. Yeah. Sometimes they find it scarier almost. And I wonder whether that's part of it is that they struggle to sometimes find themselves someone they identify with of where they're going. And Yeah, that's, that's absolutely something. When we talk to our clients, we talk about when people look at you as a business, they're going to want somebody that they can identify with within your company. And if your whole board or the management structure is all men, actually, if you've got white middle class men, that's not attractive. Um, if you're female or, you know, any diverse group is going to really struggle with that. Did you have somebody that was a mentor for you? That somebody you could look to and go, okay, they're a role model or they inspire me or... Yeah, um, not so much in my own team. I would say, although I have a lot of male management, they have been very strong. Um, and they are very comfortable with telling me to go ask someone else. And 
maybe go speak to this person and lean on other women they might not be doing the same job as you yeah but they do have some of the same experiences yeah. um so i think that's helpful and it's as our company's grown and there's more women in the office um i think that has helped bring in what brings um, in more women because it's, it's a more attractive environment yeah. to work in um and i'm naturally quite a chatty person so i think it makes it easier on me and i do sometimes worry if you're very quiet mm. that those women aren't necessarily as obvious to you and those contacts i think are really important on the bad days of just having someone to go talk to and yeah. like you can't be sure if it's i think sometimes you don't know it is it a discrimination thing mm -hmm. or is it just a life thing? And when you're the only person that meets a criteria, you don't know the difference. Yeah. Um, so sometimes you just want to call someone up and be like, oh, I think this person's being this way with me because I'm a woman. Yeah. And the person at the other end goes, well, actually, I think they're that way with everybody. Yeah. Um, because you do start to personalize it sometimes yeah. because of that characteristic. Have you, have you been discriminated against in in your career because you're a woman? Do you think you felt that? I've had definitely had moments when I've thought it. I don't know uh, it's necessarily a clear cut case that it is. Yeah. Um, and I think some of it that's difficult are also personality traits that have naturally been encouraged. Um, I will always offer someone a cup of coffee or tea when they arrive somewhere because that's what I was it's always nice brought up to do. To do. Yeah. Um, and then I found that I was always getting asked to make tea and coffee for people right. when I was a junior. Um, and until I, even when I had a junior male sat next to me, sometimes people would ask, will you go get me tea, coffee? And it's like, well, the kitchen's Why? down there and yeah. I've got work to do. Yeah. Um, and were you able to... Were you able to say that? Were you able to say, actually, I'm I'm really busy, perhaps blah, blah, could do it this time? Or or did you just kind of think, oh, God, just, I'll just do it, just keep the peace, um, it's just easier? Sometimes I would say, I think that usually made it worse because I think people almost feel defensive. Um, I reached a point that I actually spoke to some of the other people in the office and just said, I don't know that people are doing this on purpose, but this is how it's making me feel. And so they then made an offer, like made sure they offered, right, right. Um, and kind so of intercepted it, to, yeah. um, because again, whether it's a gender-based or personality thing, they weren't offering, yeah. and that was part of why the situation was arising. Um, and I, it's such a difficult one because like we didn't have any admin support and. The horrible truth is 90% of admin are women. Yeah. Um, so when you are the young female in a room. Yeah. If there you were expecting. Yeah. Bias, yeah, isn't there? Um, yeah. And it's really, really hard for people. They're uncomfortable or whatever. They're not in their home environment. Um, but it was something that when I was more junior used to really get me going. Yeah. Was, <laughs> yeah. I'm not here to make your tea. Yeah. No, I'm here to do my job and yeah. I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, and talking about going kind of back to your really early education, and you said you talked about physics, do you think that um, one of the things that we found is that with in school, engineering just isn't, it's not a subject that's really talked about, it's not something that is discussed as a career. Did you have, was it 
was it ever discussed with you as a career by the way did you know that there's all these hundreds of jobs available to you um in engineering or was it was it ever talked about at careers fairs or um so engineering it was but i'm not sure whether it actually represented what engineering encompasses yeah um, so I probably went to uni and I chose not to do engineering as my main kind of approach at that point because I probably saw it as mechanical engineering and yeah. not much else. Yeah. Um, and there are just so many elements to engineering that aren't mentioned. And yeah. I think um, I love doing geography and that element of linking those together were really important to me yeah um and they didn't quite know where to put me because it kind of falls between the traditional subjects yes it involves so many of them but actually with what you were interested in there were so many things that you could have gone into under the engineering banner without having to do a civil degree or a mechanical degree or a chemical process degree something like that Yeah. yeah and seeing those options and I also personally feel that A-levels are very limiting if you want to go into applied science really, yes. because you can't, particularly if you're wanting to look at environmental engineering side of things, um, because geography does have a lot of important skills in there yeah. and people will naturally study it who are interested, um, but you can't do the three sciences, maths and geography, um, which means you're limited at 16. And what do you think schools could do better at kind of when you're in education, when you're, because we're hoping to get these videos to schools as well, um, so that people have a, we want want women to understand that there are so many jobs available to you. Was there anything that would have been, if only they'd told me that, and if they'd said that, or if someone had pointed out that out to me, it would have just helped me maybe you know get further than or do something quicker or make a decision quicker yeah I think it is quite difficult because I don't want to put pressure on teachers to know every career that's out there because <laughs> um, that's always going to limit I think putting the encouragement out there to go look think yeah, of just things you have to do anything of. yeah and like there is a lot of information and um, almost every profession has an institution that goes with it who would love to be doing more with young professionals and um, students and actually the gap between them is quite difficult and they can't force themselves into a school environment um, so actually just encouraging kids to maybe if if you're interested try speaking to some of these yeah. people and ask a few more there's no yeah. harm in asking those institutions for things and I think that it's too often a case of if you know someone yeah you go through that route um where there are now the options to try a different route but i think people don't even realize they're, they're there. there yeah absolutely and so then you graduated and you yeah. get into the workplace and the reality of what you thought it was going to be like and what it was like was that miles apart or was it oh yeah no this is um this is the work environment that i was expecting this is yeah this is pretty much in line with what i thought or was it a bit of a okay this isn't quite what i thought things were going to be like um i think that like most graduates i was naive to the commercial element of right. 
life. Yeah. <laughs> um, and everything costs money. And um, and I think this is changing as well with environmental engineering projects. And we're looking at environmental economics has obviously grown massively um, and trying to actually put value on the things they're doing. Um, I found it very frustrating to write a report that was justifying doing nothing. Right. Um, because I think you come in with a romanticized version of what the job will involve and we're going to make changes, we're going to improve things. And then some of the time you are literally writing a report that says there's no point investing in this right. option and the money's got to go somewhere else. And kind of coming to terms with that, I think, is something that it's a bit disappointing when you realise that yeah. that's there is going to be times in your career where you are literally writing a report that's going to go nowhere. Yeah. And can you, do you think, what's the biggest misconception about engineering? What, yeah, people often think of and then you think, well, it's not like that at all, actually. It's more like this. Um, I think it's what's included with engineering. Um, I think, like my preconceptions were, people see it as sat doing calculations typing away on a computer all day yeah um where obviously the job relates into so many other things um there is particularly for graduates a large proportion of site work um which is getting you out and about and interacting with people i think because people also don't realize that that is what you might be doing as an engineer you wear your high vis and get a lot of questions um and i think that is actually some of the worst gender discrimination yeah. that I've experienced tends to be a case of like collecting borehole water samples and I've had a farmer come up, what do you think you're doing young lady? Um, and it's that phrasing is yes. well, quite a common one makes you feel like you're five years old, your hair's in pigtails and you're yeah. about to, and it's like, well, I, I'm obviously collecting a water sample from a borehole Yes, and I am doing my engineering role yeah but there's this whole like you're doing something you shouldn't be doing yeah you're not it's jobs for the boys and yeah. what are you doing on site yes. yeah um and did you find that from the people that you worked with on site or was it more from like the public that you would interact with they'd think what are you doing or did you find that when you went on site you were treated differently to maybe others um i think you are treated differently some of the time um I think that's partly because it is a bit more unusual and they don't necessarily know how to interact with you um I think some of it is a lack of provision for ladies coming to site yes um, the practical so, side yeah being on a site yeah um and that's kind of you go to a quarry site and it's always oh well you go off and use the site manager's toilet and um, yeah. Your colleagues will go off and use the normal toilets, um, which you're kind of segregated at that point. Um, but it, you also see that slight look of panic of, oh, no, we haven't cleaned the loose out. Yeah. Um, so kind of that element of it. Yeah. Um, so that still hasn't changed. So that everybody's been saying this now for we've had uh, we were interviewing um, a lady earlier and she would she did her degree in 1980. And she was saying when she went to site, actually, they didn't make site boots when you turned up on yeah. the site that actually fitted so she'd end up with kind of all these welly boot things over her shoes if you go to site now are there like female feet size there um, as boots it's or is definitely it... getting a lot better 
Um, and RPP suppliers always have women's options on their catalogue. However, it can be a case of they're being made to order. And right. so you place the order and they don't arrive for another six weeks, um, which is quite difficult because it's great to get a graduate on site as soon as they hit the workplace. It's a big part of the work they do. Yeah. Um, so it really limits them in that first couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, and trying to then manage that. And, and that purely is because they don't see site engineering for women particularly it's it's for men so we've got all the men's shoes and we've got all the men pp but maybe not quite so much for women yeah i think some of it's also like i don't have too much of an issue being the size i am um i think it's taken a very long time for the production to realize that women's bodies come in a huge number of shapes and right. sizes okay. um so petite women generally have a much bigger problem um and yeah, the trousers are probably like yeah have to be rolled up a hundred times. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you're petite and busty, then you're really in <laughs> um, because it's like you'll get something really long in length, and it's like still too tight across yeah. the chest. Yeah. Um, yeah, which so automatically, if you're especially if you're going on site and it's your first time and you're nervous because any new environment you you know you're going to be nervous in, um, that could probably be really off-putting. Yeah, and I think it's also when you're on site, as I think it is quite a hard physical job yeah. that contractors are doing um, and generally call a spade a spade. Yes. Um, so they will make a joke generally because they make a joke and they take the piss out of each other constantly and that's actually a good sign. It means you are fitting in if they make jokes. Yeah. Um, but if you turn up with something that's really, really obvious to make the joke about, they're going to be struggling not to make, make that joke, joke all yes. day. Yeah. So I think it is something that can be a little bit awkward yeah, um, yeah. And in, an intimidating environment when it probably doesn't need to be yeah yeah, yeah. and just yes the comfort side of being on a site just yeah not having a toilet that you can use that is must be yeah and i think it's some of the like planning side of it that's really really awkward um particularly because it's generally the junior staff going on site and more senior staff planning right and it's just something that doesn't necessarily occur to a man that they need to do. Yeah. Um, and they'll go ahead and book you a site visit and you're like, can I not just go a week later, please? Yeah. And they're like, well, what no. for? What? Why? And you have to justify it. And yeah, it's like, I'm going to spell it out to you. Yes. There's a really good reason why I just yeah. don't want to be on site that week. And yeah. If you've had to do that, what do they then say? You know, I'm not going on site that week. I've got my period. It will be awful. Yeah. Please don't make me. You should, I mean, you shouldn't have to say it but yeah. do, you, do you have to say it that blatantly most of the time you don't i usually go for the if you ask me again i will spell it out yes. but i think it will make you as uncomfortable as it does me yeah and then they usually Go. realize oh right. <laughs> um but yeah so sometimes you do have to be quite yeah blunt about it um yeah because i think it can be seen as you're just being difficult because yeah. it's just not occurring to them as yeah. a a reason why yeah um i think it's one of those things it feels quite awkward having had the conversation a couple of times yeah it's not something to worry about yeah. and i think it's also changing as well i think in society it's become something that men are getting more used 
to being a topic of conversation. It's not taboo anymore. Um, we can talk about and it. Yeah. On times when I felt I've been bluntest, there is usually a male graduate being like, you asked for that. <laughs> <laughs> so they've picked up straight away of why yeah. you're wanting to move it. And yeah. like their sisters have had the conversations with them a lot more than the generation above them. So yeah, I think absolutely. it is evolving, but yeah. it takes time. Yeah, but it's getting better, which yeah. is encouraging to hear. So that's good. So we want to um, continue these series of videos and we wondered if you'd got anybody that you could kind of nominate that we could speak to next that you think would be happy to talk about their career, their experiences, why they became an engineer. Is there anyone that you know that you could nominate? Yes, I feel a bit bad doing this to you because I know you were trying to get her, but um, Louise Beale would be very good for doing it. Um, she's very technically um, skilled as I've been in the industry a lot longer than me and she's someone who has, she'll be really embarrassed that I'm saying this, but from the outside looks like she's managed the balancing it all. Right. Um, I know there are times where it probably is a facade yeah. and the panic goes on <laughs> behind it all. Yeah. Um, but I found that very helpful as having, yeah, a woman who, you know, manages the family, getting on top of all the technical and she's always pushing that forward yeah um but still having time to talk to little old me when i'm having a panic about the most inconsequential oh no i don't know how to ask my client this and she got yeah. time for you yeah. yeah which is so important and someone to look up to yeah yeah great okay wonderful thank you very much you're very welcome thank, thank you, you. To our podcast in our She's an Engineer campaign. Join me again for my next episode with Pamela Hardy, Key Account Portfolio Director for ISS.